Hey guys, welcome to another Purge the Alien podcast. Purge the Aliens here bringing you high quality battle reports, podcasts, and articles created by gamers for gamers. I'm Mike. I'm here today with Chris. What's up, guys? We're here today to talk a little bit about the crazy codexes that are being released. Uh, we have Death Guard and AdMech coming up here in September. And then also GW just announced at Nova that Tyranids, Craftworld Eldar, and Astro Militarium will be released before November as well. So that was some news from the Nova Open. So if you guys haven't heard that, you can check out GW's page to give you an idea. So Chris, that's five codexes in the next two months. Uh, are you ready to read? Seriously. Um, the GW Firehose of Knowledge is not slowing down. <laughs> and then you got all those codexes, and then also in November, Necromunda is dropping too, so there's a whole new game system you got to learn. game, yeah. And we're probably on our next podcast going to break down, talk a little bit about Necromunda. Um, a lot of people are really excited about it. Um, we don't have the, a lot of details because GW is kind of just throwing a lot of codex information, um, but don't worry, we'll be talking about that here in a little bit. So, pretty cool. So, first things first. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot today about the Death Guard Codex. Um, we do not necessarily have a lot of information that you guys don't have about the Death Guard Codex, but one of the reasons why we're so important is because if you listen to the previous podcast, you know Chris is on a marathon mission to build an entire Death Guard army in a month, and that includes two weeks before the Codex is even released. <laughs> I have models that I need to paint that haven't even been released yet, so... <laughs> The so, challenge is real. So that's pretty impressive. So, you know, last time that we talked, Chris, was a little while ago, and you had gotten some models done. You know, you'd mentioned before this stuff was primed. I know you've been doing a, a good job painting and getting some stuff starting to get put together. Um, but you said the golden thing. There's stuff that you have to build and paint that's not even out yet. Yeah. So with the new Death Guard line, what are you going to be picking up, do you think? Uh, Mortarian, I, absolutely. He's a must. Uh, I'm a fanboy. I'm going to pick up everything. Okay. And I'm going to paint everything. But I just don't know what's going to be used because I don't have my hands on the codex yet. And that's a struggle for, like we said in the last podcast, that's what a lot of people are dealing with when it comes to finding the time to paint your models. Mm -hmm. Then you find that time and then you realize that you're not using that model and it's, it's difficult to manage your way through the warp of what I need to paint. Yeah. And you said fanboy, and you put a lot of emphasis on the you're going to buy everything. Does that include those web store exclusive three models? Yeah, it does. Okay, the models are they're cool. It's three models. They're web store exclusives. Um, just Plague Marines. They GW's been doing a lot of these little small packs where you can pick up, you know, the you know Pox Walkers for fifteen dollars mm-hmm. or the three. Guys, uh, Plague Marines for $15. These web store exclusives are $40. For three guys? For three guys. And I got got hurt feelings about it because I'm going to have to buy it. And I just... Now, are they just the same size as, like, normal Plague Marines? Or, like, what's what separates them that makes it so that it's, like... They're just different sculpts, really, at the end of the day. And it saddens me. That I'm going to pay $40 for three Marines. Yeah, you know, GW's done a lot of amazing stuff in the last year. Um, They've completely revitalized Age of Sigmar with, like, the General's Handbook, and then they re-released the General's Handbook. Um, They've answered a lot of people's questions. They've been doing amazing FAQs. I I think you would agree with me when I say they hit 8th edition out of the park. Yeah. Best edition yet. Best edition yet. 
every model that they've come out with, the new Primaris Marines look amazing on the table. Mm -hmm. um, they've really been doing such an amazing job. These web-exclusive Marines, like, feel a little much. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm saddened. I don't... And they look like... I couldn't... If you lined up all the new Death Guard Marines, including the web store exclusives, I couldn't pick them out of a lineup saying that's the web store exclusives. Because yeah. they're all... I mean, all the new sculpts are great, you know? And these guys just... They're great as well. They just don't stand out... Very much more than all the other guys. Yeah, that you know that's actually a really good point. So, um, I, if this was a couple years ago, when Plague Marines essentially looked a lot like normal Marines, just with like some different shoulder pads and you know some horns and a little bit of rod on yeah. them, you know, I think these guys have been awesome because they would have just just screamed Plague Marine. Like you could have made them your sergeants, you could have made them in the captains. Oh you know, yeah, could have done some stuff. But the new line of skulls for Plague Marines is just so good mm -hmm. that I don't see the value in getting these three except just to you know once again to have them because yeah, like it's, it's a collector it's just like buying the collector's edition codex you're yeah. just fanboying it up you you like the legion you like the army yeah and you just you want to be the guy who spent the 40 dollars on the three i agree with you on that so, one i will say that i think the collector's edition codex is a little bit more because you know it's on a shelf it's on display like it's a little bit higher quality yeah for um, sure so, uh, you know, I think that'd be better. But, yeah, I thought that the three models for $40 was was a little interesting. And I also, I haven't seen anywhere. I don't know about you. Is it a limited release? Like, is this something they're going to do just a small batch of? Or? Well, I guess it's probably falling under all their other web exclusive stuff. Okay. So that it'll probably inevitably be discontinued. But okay. I don't know. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of times, you know, GW tends to um, make some limited releases of models. And then people just get them because, once again, we're in a collector's hobby. Yeah. Some people want everything. And a lot of times when people hear that, hey, there's only going to be, you know, like a thousand sets of these or a couple hundred or who knows how many that they're actually doing, people jump on them because it's that fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. Don't get them now. When are you going to get them again? Yeah, the anxiety builds up. Yeah. And you got to have it. Okay. So we'll see if you get those and, like, how it adds through. But the model that I know that you're going to get, and I know that every single person that plays Death Guard... Uh, plays m probably chaos period is gonna get bought the starter set and didn't sell their death guard off that option too they're buying this figure you're buying more terry yep um so you know i imagine more terry you know the price range is gonna be the same levels like a magnus and a bloodthirst yeah. you know it's gonna be over that hundred dollar model um you know once again it is a it's gonna be a central figure um we have the stat line you know for mortarian um, gw did release it so he comes in Almost the same thing as Magnus, basically, just with some slightly different rules. Um, and we'll go over those rules a, a touch in a second here. But one of the main things is that there's been a lot of controversy online. And I know there's been a lot of controversy just kind of here at Purge the Alien over people don't really know if they like the Mortarian model or not. Well, haters are going to hate. That's true. <laughs> Thank you, Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Uh, he He's a complex model. Yep. He's... Ma he's massive. Like mm -hmm. looking at the newest white dwarf, I got kind of got a better view on him. He looks like a softball with fly <laughs> wings that's flying. You know, is he bigger than Magnus? Do you think? For the I model? think I think he's going to be taller and okay. bulkier than Magnus. Okay, but he uh, it's a complex model. Yeah, it's there's things that I've never had to like paint before. He is like the the hood robes that flow down under mm -hmm. his armor. 
that have a layer of chain mail that turn into flesh that then inevitably turns into this smoky mist that levitates yeah. him off the ground. I've never really had to paint anything like that. Mm-mm. And then, like, when I'm picking the color schemes of, like, what do I want? Do I, I want to go with, like, brown leathers, dark leathers as the thing. But then, like, how do I transition to that into, like, a nasty, you know, Nurgle yeah. smoke? And that's the challenge. So let's hit pause that painting details because I want to come back to that. But one of the things that you mentioned is part of the main controversy is... You know, you mentioned, like you said, he's sort of like a softball stick. Yeah. Um, like, a lot of people have sort of talked that they wanted a leaner Mortarian. Yeah. More Grim Reaper style. Yep. Um, they wanted the scythe to be bigger. Um, they wanted, they didn't like the, the way that he's kind of floating. Um, so if you guys are listening, you know, and you haven't seen the picture of Mortarian, um, you know, definitely just go and Google it. Um, Warhammer Community page has one. Um, essentially what Mortarian is, is he looks like a jacked up, plague space marine that is essentially floating off the ground on robes that turn into like mist he like the the size of him looks equivalent to a dreadnought yes so if you had a flying size dreadnought with wings and nasty smoke that's kind of the size you're gonna get i think even bigger and he's got like little plague cherub angels so it's almost like they took the idea like it sounded weird to say it but i know that a lot of people have agreed to be with once they heard it it sounds like they took Gilliman model, chaos it up a little bit, and then we're like, wait, what if we also made it like the Celestine model and have him kind of like floating with like a bunch of little things around him? And that's sort of what you got. Well, everything's a remix, you yeah. know? So, I mean, all in all, I still think that the model is going to be great on the tabletop. Um, you know, I think some of the colors that they pick people had issues with, but you mentioned yourself, it's an incredibly detailed model. Yeah, and it's your. People who are painting this are going to have to use techniques that they haven't used before mm-hmm. and, you know, incorporate shading and dry brushing and to, to get those effects. Otherwise, it's not... You're going to have to paint this right. Otherwise, it's going to look goofy. Yeah. You know? And we're going to definitely do, you know, it's probably going to be a combination of, like, a video, Instagram, um, you know, maybe even with, like, a Twitch live stream of Chris doing the Mortarian model because, you know, as you said... It's not techniques that he's used before a lot, yep. um, and, but he is an extremely skilled painter, so it'll be kind of interesting to watch him try to do it as he goes. Um, it'll be a trial by error type of thing, so... And we'll, hopefully you we'll guys learn can learn. Together. Yeah, you can learn, ask questions, you know, as always, we're here for you guys. And the other cool part is that we, a lot of people that listen to us, that watch our podcasts, or that watch and watch our battle reports as well, um, are amazing painters themselves. Yeah. So if you see Chris or anybody else on the team doing something and you think you've got a better idea for it, please... Help her brother out. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll take a look at that. So Mortarian's got a lot of detail. I would go out on a limb and say this is the most detailed model that GW's ever produced. It's... I mean... Yeah, it's art. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot going on. It almost has... Um, if anybody's ever played War Machine Hordes, like a lot of people used to complain about the busyness of their models because there's so much stuff going on. This is a busy, busy model that if, you have. If you look at Mortarian's face, it's not a face. It's like flesh parting and it's yeah. mangled. It, the face is going to be the funnest part to paint on this model. Yeah. And he's got some decayed wings, um, You know, a great scythe. 
a lot of little details in the base with like nerglings and like I said, those like plague chairs. There's a lot of things in here. Even the nerglings have the little hood that yeah. goes down. It's incredible. You when you put detail on nerglings, you're going above and beyond. Yeah. So this is, I think, going to be one of those showcase pieces that people really get to step up on. And I am really interested a couple months from now to see what people have decided to do because. I, I gotta be honest, one of the coolest parts was when Magnus got released. Because you could take his chest plate off, essentially, mm -hmm. and so you could essentially go from having um, highly detailed horn nipple armor yeah. to just, you know, like a bare chest, allowed people to work with flesh tones and different color paints. And there's just some staggering Magnuses of all different color schemes and right. designs. Because essentially he was just a giant demon holding a staff with pretty awesome wings like yeah. that was it like there was a lot of imagination you could throw throw through uh with the mortarian model i have like a little bit of a concern with that because the model is so detailed and to the best of our knowledge none of the parts are interchangeable like Magnus's chest plate or anything like that that i'm very interested to see what people decide to do with it i, I feel like there's a couple different options like with with the model that they show he's got this classic neural green armor i i feel like people are, might go with the white pallid armor with him oh. that might open up a different um, color scheme for maybe the wings, maybe darken up the wings okay. instead of having them light, maybe, you know, swap the lightness and darkness throughout the model. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to try to stick to the classic thing. Okay. I don't... I, don't know what I'm going to do with the smoking robes. That's the challenge right. of, the, of the model there. So if the, you guys have any suggestions or ideas, uh, I'm more than willing to listen. Yeah, we're looking for that technique. So I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how people paint this guy up. Um, you know, once again, like I said, there's a little controversy. Um, so I do think it's going to be interesting. I really hope some of the people that are out there that sort of are like, you know, bashing the model a little bit, that really wanted just a, a tall, lanky, grim reaper, you know, covered in shawls and plague. Which sounds cool. Yeah. In theory, but then, what do you, you have the grim reaper model, and yeah. that's boring. So I'm interested to see what people do with this guy. I think, I think it'll be really impressive. I hope some of those haters, like I said, are out there. They try to do some sweet customizations and have it work. And I think once people get their hands on this figure and mm -hmm. see that it is a dreadnought that's flying with wings, they're going to kind of appreciate it a little bit more. Yes. And so, like I said, we'll have Chris doing an entire painting series on Mortarian. Um, we'll probably even have him, you know, kind of showing ways to put it together. Yeah. Um, and so it might just be we put a camera in front of Chris and watch him struggle. <laughs> and then everybody can kind of laugh. Um, and, you know, throw me a life raft every now and then. Exactly. So we might do something like that. So, uh, you know, keep an eye out for that if you are planning on building Mortarian. That way you can see it because we will be doing it almost immediately after release. Yeah. Um, you can go through and take a look. Pre-orders are uh, the 9th of September. I'm getting mine on the 9th of September. Pre-order. He rele I think he releases on the 16th. But I think so, yeah. I'm not positive. I think it's on the 16th, so... Be banging down the door of uh, your friendly local game shop to, to get that model and to kind of get it in your hand for everything real quick. So that'll be pretty sweet. So one of the other things that, you know, we noticed too about like Death Guard as we're going out is, you know, they're going to be getting all their own stratagems. They're going to be getting all their own psychic powers um, and, you know, keeping sort of an eye on Mortarian because I think we truly believe that he's going to be a game changer. Um, his stat line is almost identical to Magnus. Yeah. Hits on twos, um, strength eight, toughness seven, yep. uh, four up and vulnerable save. He does have the Nurgle disgustingly resilient, so he does have essentially that five up feel no pain. Um, he has a very cool rule 
which anybody that's within seven inches of him loses one to their toughness. Yep. He also has a pretty amazing rule as well about when, at the beginning of the fight phase, any units within seven inches of him has the opportunity to take mortal wounds. Yep. So you roll a dice for every single unit within seven inches of him, and if he's fully healthy, because it is like a descending stat line category, on a four up, that unit takes D3 mortal wounds. That's disgusting. It's awesome. It's not also psychic power. It's nothing that can be denied. It's just an ability. Yep. So. And speaking of psychic powers, he is a psyker too. Yeah. And the cool part, which I think is so amazing, is it talks about at the beginning of the fight phase. So it's both people's turns. Yeah. So if you are able to dump the big beastly maggot lord himself into the, somebody's back lines and he's in there for a turn or two, you're dealing a bunch of mortal wounds. That's 2d3 mortal wounds to every unit within 7 uh, mm-hmm. inches every battle round. And he can fly, of course, because he's got the wings, so he can leave combat for free. Yep. So as things fall back, or if you need to get him over somewhere else, you can just be going around, and he's just going to be like a little Nova power of uh, mortal wounds firing out. And, and it's pretty awesome. Uh, there's a new uh, contagion discipline for their psychic powers that uh, allow a minus one. Uh, you target a friendly Death Guard unit within 18 inches, and they'll get a minus any yeah. enemy that targets them get a minus one to hit. So you can make them a little bit even harder to hit when you fly. Yeah, them what up was there. that power? Is like uh, the miasma yeah. or something yep. like that. Um, they reworded one of the old powers. Um, so yeah, as Chris said, minus one to hit. So if you're thinking that a four up, three up save, four up invulnerable, and a five up feel no pain wasn't enough, give this guy minus one to hit. Everything's going to be hitting on threes. That's awesome. Yeah. He, he might be an auto-include. Yeah. I mean, I really think he is. I think he's going to be, you know, Magnus-level caliber, so you're probably going to be looking between three and 400 points. Yep. Um, most people believe he's also going to get the Psyker keyword. We haven't gotten that yet. So even if he's able just to cast up Miasma on himself, or to use him as a smite battery, deny battery, or for any of the other, you know, powers that he's going to have access to through the Neural Discipline, through anything else... Um, which is a really nice feature to be able to throw in. And he seems like, with all those rules, like, now that you've said them one by one, it seems like he needs to get up there and get into contact with the enemy as soon as possible yeah. and get as many people around him as possible. So I was like, for my GT list, I'm trying to think, like, how do I use him? How do I protect him? Mm-hmm. So, like you said, Helldrakes, I was thinking Plague Drones, but maybe yeah. both. Maybe I could have a Flyer Death Guard list. But. Yeah. I mean, the, like, the easiest strategy that, you know, Chris and I were talking about is with his fly, he moves 12 inches. Mm-hmm. So if you fly him forward and you want to advance him or not, you warp time him up the field, best chaos power in the book to get that second movement. Yep. You move him another 12 inches, you should be within a charge range at that point in time, depending on how aggressively your opponent has deployed. Or the deployment. Uh, or or the deployment zones themselves at, like, the mission that you're playing, Chris is right. So you should be able to get those charges off and if you're not even able to get those charges off you should be able to get hopefully close enough to get within the the mortal wound bubble and you're you'll for sure be smashing face yeah um you know turn two as you can go through so if you can run some hell drakes up there if you can run some blight drones um if you're worried about him getting there and you want to run some extremely fast uh mauler fiends up there with him uh, to kind of you know to, to block him to make the charge lanes a little more difficult a lot of things that you can do uh, to have this guy really get into combat, and we haven't seen the stats for his weapon yet, 
but I'm assuming his scythe is going to be just as good, if not better, than Magnus's weapon. Well, it's called silence, yeah. so... It's going to be wrecking face. Yeah. And I'm sure the cool part is it's also going to have like some type of mortal wound. Oh, I hope so. Like on a six or something. Because he's dealing them. You yeah. Know? That's, that's, that's Nurgle. So I'm sure it's something like does damage plus does like D3 mortal wounds per wound. Something just absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, he looks like one of those guys that just would straight up be able to smash... Gilliman into the ground, smash Swarm Lord, smash Magnus, probably even whoop on a Titan. Um, yeah. Because with his minus one toughness, you know, he's hitting Titan like a Night Titan. He's hitting one on a two. He's wounding him on a three, at least. Yeah, that minus one toughness brings up another point for the GT. You know, when I'm going against Space Marines, you know, uh, 50% of the people are playing Space Marines, and then the other 17 are playing Chaos. You know, we're t- looking at toughness four. Yeah. And if I'm bringing Death Guard, I have Strength 4 Bolters, so they're all Strength 3, so I'm wounding on, or Toughness 3, wounding on 3s, that's another... It's a huge multiplier. Yeah. And not only that, but when you're thinking about that kind of stuff, you know, you're even taking, like, Conscripts, they're mm-hmm. Toughness 3, rolling it out of 2s, now your Two Bolters up. are wounding on 2s. Wow. Um, so all of a sudden you're able to mow through a lot of those uh, issues. So uh, Orc Boys, Gaunts, those, like, screening units that are all over the place... You're now going to be, you know, hitting them on your normal skill, wounding them on twos, like, across the board. And it, it does help out when your opponent has 200 conscripts on across so the board. So much, yeah. I mean, like, being able to adjust those wound levels. Um, and, you know, I'm sure his weapon, his natural strength is 8. I'm sure his weapon is going to do some Times kind of strength two. modifier. Because, um, let's face it, Gilliman and Magnus got it, so there's no reason why he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm sure it's going to do something awesome for that part. So, he's going to be wounding just about everything. I, I hope it's like a Mortal Wounds that carries over through the squad because there's a scythe mowing down. Well, Mortal Wounds do carry over the squad right now. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, so, regular wounds don't. But, right. I mean, it'd be kind of cool if it was even just the damage carried over. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think, you know, once again, we, we haven't seen his weapon profile yet as the time that we're recording this. Hopefully it's out and so people can see it and so, mm. you know, we've been rambling for almost nothing now. <laughs> but, you know, it'll be pretty cool to kind of take a look at for that stuff. So, awesome. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back in. We're going to dive in with a little bit more with the Death Guard, especially what Chris's plans are for everything. And uh, we'll be right back. Sounds good. Hey, everybody. This is Josh from Purchasing. As you may know, in addition to our podcast, we also record Warhammer 40K and Age of Sigmar Battle Reports. And we would love to have you on the show. If you'd like to come play a game with us and possibly have it posted to YouTube, please leave a message us on Facebook at Purchasing or email us at contact at purgealion.com. We hope to see you soon. Now let's go ahead and get back to the show. Hey guys, welcome back. I'm still Mike. And this is still Chris. Excellent. So we're going to wrap up our coverage real quick about Death Guard. Um, once again, we just had the premier, premium amount of leaks that are coming up. Uh, the rest of the rules later in the week with all the stratagems, psychic powers and everything will be getting released. Um, we just don't have them at the time of the recording. Just want to make sure we got like some of the information out from you. Um, so kind of, Chris, give me a little heads up. What else is in the codex that we're going to take a look at? All right. So the codex itself is a 104-page hardback book, okay. which is smaller than the Space Marines and uh, probably Heretic Astartes, but... You know, there's less stuff. But yeah. inside this, you're going to get seven new characters, um, including Blight Spawns, Putrefires, and Mortarian. Um, we also know that Typhus is, uh, new Typhus models coming out, oh, yeah. um, new Terminators, and that Plague Tank they got there. So this book's going to have a lot of new stuff that we haven't even seen. There's 33 units in it. 
um, 17 stratagems and seven new uh, psychic powers. And I think at this point we've seen two of them uh, released so far. So yeah. I'm curious to see what the other uh, five are. So I'm pretty excited because I know that they're they're kind of considering Death Guard to be a new faction, similar to like how Thousand Suns were released last year with a bunch of new models. But it does bode well that basically with each release they've been giving new models to yep. new units. Yep, and it encourages the player to go buy these sweet new models and play with them with the new rules, which changes the meta a little bit, you know? And I don't know if we're going to see this in the future codexes as well, because once again, you know, Death Guard were essentially part of the starter set. Um, So it makes sense that, you know, they and Marines got some of the first codexes, and they got the largest sort of release of models. You know, Grey Knights didn't obviously get nearly as much stuff. Right. Um, so it, it does make complete sense um, mm-hmm. that could come up. So I, I think it'll be really good. You know, do you think, you know, based on sort of what we know with the ideas of Mortarian stat line, that are already the rules for Death Guard, you know, do we think there's going to be, like, any shift in the meta with these guys coming in, or is it like... Well, I think every time a codex, a new codex releases, it's shifting the, me- the meta, you know drastically because we're moving away from spam hammer which you know index warhammer which yeah. we've been playing for the past few months and it kind of you know encourages a player to not just spam last cannons and you know look at the stratagems and build mm-hmm. your list with the stratagems i think that's like the new key to building a good army get your units and then figure out what stratagems work well with your units. It's essentially equipping war gear for your guys with these new stratagems. Yeah, and, you know, to echo what Chris is saying is, you know, the stratagems really open up how you want to build your army. Make sure you take advantage of command points. And I also think that the new units that GW has put out, as opposed to old GW, haven't really been broken. No, everything's really good. Like, there are some lackluster units, but everything does its job and it does it well and it's pretty fluffy to how you want that miniature how you read that miniature in the book how it performs it's doing that in these rules yeah and i love that because i'm a fluffy player i like the narrative of the game yeah but i mean i imagine you know with mortarian around probably magnus points level you know is not overpowered because if you can deal with magnus you can deal with mortarian you know yeah he's got disgustingly resilient um, and some other things, but still, like, you know, hey, definitely something to be able to do. But even with him and the other new units and with the, I guess, the vehicles and the, you know, the infantry that got released with the Primaris Marines as well, none of that, like, came out as breaking the game. Like, it used to be with, like, hey, cool, we introduced the Riptide, it's the best thing in the game. Yep. And then Buy we introduced the Wraith Knight, uh, it's, it's the best thing in the game. Buy it. <laughs> you know, like, it, they're, the power creep isn't there, I think that's really nice. Yeah, it's... It, Encourage you encourages you to experiment a little bit more with different units that you want to play mm-hmm. and not just spam the best thing in the list and get as many of it as you can. Yeah, because what um, GW has a slight problem with right now is there's two big things that are kind of ruining the meta as we speak. One is the way the character rules interact. Um, as you can tell, if you follow tournament reports, um, there was a guy who just won a tournament with like running 15 characters and 10 assassins. Just because oh. the way the rules work with characters, you can only target the closest one. So you run a, uh, I think it's a Kalidus Assassin first that you like have to hit on sixes or something like mm-hmm. that. And you have to shoot everything at them before you can shoot anything else in the rest of their army. So you just 
give up all of your shooting phase. While all these assassins and, like, Celestine and Gilliman come behind them, and you just come down the field and, like, just run through. So you don't have any target priority. You are forced to shoot, Um, which is breaking the game. Exactly. And there's some issues with that. There's also some issues with, like, conscripts and brimstone spam, you know, especially things that can mitigate... Uh, morale just for large quantities of units that just swarm the board with bodies that right now we can't deal with. So, but those are old GW issues. Mm-hmm. You know, those those were built into the index. Yeah, it's not something that's new that's been created. So I think as you know, GW already fixed Storm Raven spam. They fixed Razor Wing flocks, and, they, and they're making some changes. Um, and I think if they fix those last two things with how characters work. You know, you're going to be looking really good. So I got a lot of hope going forward. Yeah, and you know, these we don't know how long these codexes and. Uh, you know, indexes have been released and there's been significant place tests. I think they have a plan. Yeah. And I think we're seeing it uh, come together and I think it's going to be for the best for 40K. I completely agree. And I also think that um, I know that I'm not in the majority when I say this because they're not considered to be very strong right now. But I actually think Death Guard are going to shift the meta quite a bit because everything has disgustingly resilient. Mm-hmm. There are going to be vehicles released with Death Guard, is what we believe. I think you've got a couple yeah, on like that yeah, list. Yeah, there's pictures in, uh, I think, August White Dwarf of the Plague Tank. Yeah. So if you can get Dreadnoughts, if you can get Plague Tanks, if you can get something with Disgustingly Resilient, things that can absorb mortal wounds, that can just absorb things like last Cannons and Melta that typically aren't really going to give you a save and they can do a lot of damage... You're going to see a shift, because right now there's essentially two style of armies. It's a giant horde of bodies in front mm-hmm. to protect hard-hitting, high-volume, high-damage output, strength tanks and last cannons, etc. Yep. And so if now you're hitting me with those last cannons, and I have the possibility to get a save, and I have the possibility now of also ignoring all those with field no pains on multiple different types of characters... That makes that high-powered shooting much less effective. Exactly. And so that can really shift the game when it comes to smite. Because, cool, you did two, three wounds with me on smite, I'm probably going to save at least one of them with my field no pains that I got mm-hmm. and everything. When you've got those across the board, and there might be some things in there that you can do to buff Disgustingly Resilient or something along those lines. Stratagems we don't know yet. Exactly. I think you're I think you're going to see a little shift in the meta with some, the way some things are broken out. And this, this, like, we don't know much about this codex yet, but, like... From the units that are being released, it seems like a very versatile army. Like, you can do mass pox walkers, you can do flying plague drones. I feel like there's going to be a lot of different styles yeah. to play for Death Guard, which is kind of cool, you know, because, you know, they've always been kind of like in third edition, it was Rhino Rushem up yep. there and just do that and you win. And I mean, I genuinely could not agree more because it's nice to see an army like Death Guard. That can run a nice bubble wrap screening unit of poxwalkers that actually makes sense with the army. Mm-hmm. Unlike just taking conscripts with in my every single army yeah. that you can go through it, which is horrible. Really, it's is what it comes down but to. it's necessary right now. It's necessary right now, but it still kind of stinks. Yeah, uh, to to really look at it, look at that. So you know. It's just one of those things, but, you know, I'm interested to see how it shifts the meta going forward as well. And then one of the other things that we kind of wanted to mention a little bit is, you know, AdMech is also coming out. Yes. We've got no details about AdMech. Yeah, they're kind of secret. They're keeping it under wraps. Very secret. Um, And I'm very excited for AdMech because AdMech is not in a good place right now. I don't know anything 
about how they're performing now. I don't think I've played a game against them. Have you watched Sean play? I have. Uh, Sean's frustrated. Yeah. He's not a happy boy. <laughs> Sean, Sean's not a happy person with the way AdMech is. Um, we talked about the Michigan GT last podcast, but I think there was only like 6% of the people that are playing an AdMech army, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is down a little bit from last year. And for an army that's really new that has a good aesthetic that a lot of people like, um, you know, there is a lot of complaints about it. Right. But, you know, they, two weeks or probably a day when this comes out, you'll we'll be hearing a lot more about them. And I think that if you are an army that does not currently sit in the upper echelon of armies right now, if you are Eldar, if you are Tau, if you are Orcs, um, if you're Tyranids right now, if you're a lot of those armies that just aren't up there, keep an eye on how they do the ad mech book. See where they're changing points, see where they're increasing stuff, see what kind of things they're giving them. Because with Admech being solid middle to bottom half of the table, if they're able to fix some of their fundamental issues and bring them up, it should give hope to every other person that has an underpowered army right now that GW can recognize what's making them underpowered and fix it. Yeah. Because GW doesn't want to make understrength armies. They want to make every army uh, the most, like... Fun to play for the player who likes them, you know. So exactly, I think that they've taken that concept to all the armies so far because every codex that I've seen has been really interesting. The Adept Astartes, Heretic Astartes are great. Yeah, and so I'm interested to see because you know we're only a couple weeks out from release and we haven't really heard anything about what's going to be in the ad mech. I mean, obviously you know it's going to be new stratagems, uh, but I think depending on how they adjust points and do everything else, it will be a really indicator for what they're doing going forward. You think they'll throw Imperial Knights in there? Um, That's a great question. I don't know. Like, where like where are Imperial Knights going to fit if not there? That's actually a really good question. Yeah. Um, well, wow, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Imperial Knights used to have their own codex, they might get a you know they might get a supplement because they said at Nova that like Yanari would not be in the Eldar Codex. Oh yeah. So they're going to be completely separate. Not that Imperial Knights need any help whatsoever. Agreed. You know <laughs> Imperial Knights don't need help. Yanari don't need help. But I think since they're what they're looking at is breaking out the Eldar and they're not just wrapping Yanari in there, I would guess that Yanari would get some type of a supplement, and I would guess that Imperial Knights would get some type of supplement. Too, to yeah. go with it. Maybe not like a full codex or anything. Because uh, how are you going to fill that, you know? You know, yeah, I don't know. I, I think what would be interesting is if people did the inter- Imperial Knights, and once again, this is just raw speculation <laughs> <laughs> from, from Chris and I literally, you know, mid-drinking while doing podcasts <laughs> on a Labor Day. Um, I could see them doing something cool like Imperial Knights where if they didn't even so much change the Imperial Knight, but maybe they made up a couple different gun options, mm-hmm. and so they didn't even re-release Imperial Knight. They just re-released a bunch of weapon options. That'd be cool, like with a, like a campaign setting or yeah. something like that. Because or... some people, like you know, they could do a campaign setting, like they opened a vault on Mars or they found this in a different world, and they like found these new guns that would like they could fit a Titan on. Something. Nice, yeah, yeah, something like that would be interesting because uh, people would be able to buy it. And most people that I know have magnetized the Titans, anyways. You have uh, to. If you haven't, do it. There's your tip for the day: magnetize your Titans. Uh, but no, that's a really good point. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. I'm man, yeah. excited for uh, I'm like really for an army that. I don't care about. Uh, you, you've got my brain I'm like excited. thinking right now. It kind of like just shocked me right there. <laughs> but, 
But no, I'm excited to see the other codexes. Um, Astro Militarum, I'm really excited for because they are easily the most above and beyond powerful army in the game right now because they're horribly undercosted. Um, so that's a codex you're hoping that brings them down a notch. Yeah, that codex needs a hard swing with the nerf bat in some areas um, because it just everything is just way more points efficient than any other army has. Um, I think the Scions need to get rocked hard yeah. down to earth. Um, somebody brought up an interesting point. I, I can't remember if this was an article or a podcast, um, but it was not my original idea. But that for the Imperium, for example, if you have a gun, it shouldn't matter if the Space Marine is carrying a gun, if the Scion is carrying a gun, if a Dreadnought is carrying a gun. It should be the same cost across the board. Because every army has different ways to modify things and do things differently. Yeah. So, like, Scions with their, like, plasma cannons and melted guns should not be costing less than Space Marine ones. Like, it's the gun. It should just cost the same. Well, I mean, you could you could argue that, you know, you know, the Imperium is this wealth of planets and chaos are struggling, scrapping, and salvaging. So there's an argument for each way. But, yeah, for rules and saying, why is my Scion paying way less... Yeah. This than this. Why am I paying half the cost for a unit of scions that can deep strike out of the board with all special weapons, and I'm paying double the cost for a space marine unit that can do the same with one guy? With, with yeah, yeah. So it's just it's interesting, sort of the way they're breaking it down. But once again, as we saw, said earlier and said on previous podcasts, GW is listening. They know that most people are just dominating the tables right now. Astro Militarum. So I would expect, expect to see something, and even if it's not just. A nerf. It doesn't have to change the rules. It literally just has to be a change in points, and now, that's all it is. I have a question for you. Sure. Like you've been playing for a while. Like for every edition that's changed, have you seen such an influx of like people going from casual into a tournament like mindset? Like I've never seen that. Like you know, people at the store are usually casual players, and everyone's getting more into the tournament mind mindset. And I think that's Something to do with 8th edition and how it's the rule set are. Yeah. And I've never seen that from 2nd or 3rd or 4th edition when, you know, the rules change. Yeah, I mean, that's like a really interesting question. I think 8th um, edition has created a lot of parity. So a lot of armies can do really well against each other. You know, right now, ad mech is a huge problem. Space Marines have a tremendous advantage just because they were the first codex to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we see so many of them attending a lot of them. And also a lot of people with Space Marine armies. Yeah. So, they've, so. Yeah, they've got some great features. So that's why like you're going to see always probably more of them than anybody else. Um, so that's why like you see those two sort of at the top. But outside of like really optimized Astro Militarum armies and like really up-to-date Space Marine armies, every army can pretty well fight against the other ones. Um, Admech and Demons right now are towards the bottom of the pile, but, you know, they can get boosted up and they can do some interesting things. But I think because you see those parodies across the board, so if you show up with a Necron or an Eldar army or a Tau army or a Tyranid army, you don't feel like you're just going to get your face smashed in Mm -hmm. five games in a row just because you're playing an army that, you know, isn't top tier. I think that that's changed a lot with this edition, especially when the indexes came out. So people go to events now because they're not worried about getting destroyed. Yeah, and I, and I think GW's gotten way more involved with the community. Yes. Like, and you know, I kind of feel like I know what's going to happen when I go to a tournament, and I trust it because I know that GW has their hands in it. And I think that people are 
finally starting to see, and I could be completely wrong with it, because once again, we all just live in our own little bubbles. Uh, But I think people are also finally starting to see that the benefit that if tournament players are saying, hey, this thing is broken, or this thing is under cost or over cost, and time and time again, that's proven to be correct, and it's not a knee-jerk reaction, then that thing is going to be over cost or under cost in your friendly beer and pretzels game that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having that scene that makes sense is great because no one liked 6th and 7th edition where if you just played Eldar, didn't matter what you took, your army was going to be better than anybody else than what they brought to the table, basically. So you didn't even have to be trying to play a kick-butt list. They just made the codex so good. Yeah, like when Solberg's first came yeah for you know, I, blew like, my mind yeah a lot of stuff like that so now that they're down that back and that they're taking the reactions from people and that they're very quickly making changes like we've already had what like three faqs yeah for 40k mm-hmm. game's been out a couple months there's three yeah um nova just ended i would not be surprised if another a couple FAQ. weeks from now we get another faq as they identify some of these major problems because they're using these tournaments as kind of uh like a source to fix things with they're exactly. taking the information from it it's yeah. great and yeah i know we got a little off topic but like literally you know we, we talked about a lot of the michigan gt and we talked about how this is going to change the meta and really with the codexes i think you're just going to see a constantly shifting meta not so much with one thing's going to be dominant but i think that the codexes will help balance out some like builds that are really good and it's just going to help everybody's game yeah um because i think i think you're going to see tyranids get a lot of help um, there's some just blatantly bad units in the codex. There's also some units that are frankly just too good. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just some rules that don't make sense for Tyranids. Um, Eldar needs some help, which still feels weird to say. Yeah. Uh, but, they, they don't need it. That's but funny. yeah, Eldar can use some help, uh, stratagems, some different ideas for it. Um, and you know, ad mech need to be toned down. So that's all coming before November. Or Astro Military needs to be toned down. Ast- oh yeah, my bad. Astro Militarium, I need to just call it back to calling Imperial Guard. Yeah, that's fine. Everyone <laughs> that's, knows that's what you need to do. Everyone knows what you need. Sears Tower, Willis Tower, like, you know, it's like <laughs> it's always going to be that way for me. So, uh, yeah, so keep an eye, too, with us here at Purge Alien, uh, because when those codexes are starting to drop, uh, we have a lot of people that play Eldar. Uh, I played Near- Tyranids um, pretty well. Um, and we've got Josh, who's pretty into the... Um, Astro Militarum slash Imperial AKA Guard. Imperial Guard. <laughs> um, and he is starting to also work on becoming a also more competitive tournament player as well. Yeah, I think he's getting rid of some of his Wyverns. He's going to get some Basilisk going. Yeah, he's, he's making some moves. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's, he's starting to kind of feel that difference. So the nice part is, is for the next couple codexes that we have that will be coming out, we'll be able to represent those really well. And um, I think we'll probably try to do some good breakdowns. Um, we started doing breakdowns of the indexes early on, but it was just too much. Uh, well, when you have every army released here. Yeah, we, we just got too overwhelmed and didn't have the manpower to do it. Um, so probably because we actually have with Chris's Death Guard army that he's going to be building, um, Sean has Ad Mech, and we have everything else. Uh, don't be surprised if you see a codex breakdown in a podcast form or a quick video um, or something like that in the future. And, you know, let us know. What you guys want to see or hear us talk about them in the comment section for everything. Yeah. So, cool. So we're going to be right back. Uh, we're going to wrap this up talking about uh, the new Necromanda game that's going to be dropping as well as Shadow War Armageddon a little bit. Uh, just kind of how those two intermix. And, uh, you know, we'll be right back. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Hey, guys. This is Josh again. And on behalf of everyone at Purge Alien, we just wanted to say thank you. 
Thanks for listening to our podcasts, watching our battle reports, and reading our articles. We are here for you, producing content by gamers for gamers. So thanks again for joining us, and we're happy you're here. Now, let's go ahead and get back to the show. Hey guys, welcome back. Once again, I am still Mike. And this is Chris. And thank you guys for hanging out with us through the first two segments. Um, so right now, we're going to be talking a little bit about Shadow War Armageddon, and more importantly, Necromunda. Uh, GW just released um, that Necromunda will be coming out here in the future, so old-time gamers are rejoicing. <laughs> Yay! So it's pretty cool um, for two different games. Um, Chris and I actually started getting into it a little bit off the air, because we have very differing opinions about the different styles of the games. Indeed. Um Mainly because I never played Necromunda, and I know you did. Yep, and it was a blast, and it was very similar to Mordheim, uh, except for futuristic, and Necromunda came out before Mordheim, and it was a small unit base where uh, kind of a role-playing Dungeons & Dragons type of deal where you level up your character, and they get characteristics, they can get a gimp laying, they Mm -hmm. can have psychological issues, which I loved. (laughs) So, um, yeah... So it's pretty cool. You know, one of the nice parts, too, about Necromanda and Shadow War um, is that if you are looking to try to get someone else into the hobby, it, this is at a very low price point to get kind of miniatures on the table, get that you can build them, you can assemble them, you can paint them. Um, it's just kind of a nice way to see if people sort of like miniature board gaming as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we differ a little bit on the opinions of Necromanda and Shadow War, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but so, Chris, you know, Necromata's coming out. Is it the exact same thing and they're just redoing models, or, you know, what's the difference? Okay, so it comes out in November. Okay. Um, when I first saw it, I saw tiles, and I instantly started raining salt from the sky <laughs> because I'm like, no, tiles, Necromata's major terrain, ladders, and uh, scaffoldings, and blah, blah, blah. And then I stopped crying and started reading, and then I saw that it's. Uh, the, the box set's coming out with two styles of gameplay. A simple tile-based, more of a board game S style with character cards. And then I uh, finally read the part where it says, additionally, there's a style of play for the more classic, old-school style where you can use your um, Shadow War terrain in it. And so then I uh, got happy again. So this is, I thought that was a very cool idea from GW. Um, board games have never been really at a higher popularity like in the modern era than they are right now. Uh, they're making a huge comeback. So with a tile game like this, it can very easily, you can wrap some friends into the game that might not have played, you know, like a 40K or Age of Sigmar style game before because it's got a tile-based game like many board games do. But also, if you're somebody that's got a beautiful set of scenery downstairs that you used for Mordheim or you used for Shadow War or even you just have a lot of terrain that you use for 40K, mm-hmm. um, it will go beautifully from this and you can kind of graduate somebody from the board game to actual like tabletop tactics yep. for that part. So it's pretty cool. So what gang did you used to play? Do you remember? Orlocks. Uh, they're pretty much the guys that look exactly like me with cut-off sleeves and bandanas. All right. So I had to use them. Gotta go with them. All right. But uh, the box set you're getting... Um, Escher and Goliath. Okay. So it's pretty much the Mad Max scheme of brute mohawk guys and then badass chicks with mohawks as well. <laughs> so That's what, you know, GW went out of the way to say it, but they kept the 80s motif, like when the game was originally done. Like, have to. Everything is like, 
like a fantasy sci-fi novel. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, everybody's like super jacked with crazy hair, you know, like it's just it's a ridiculous thing. It's a like, great look. theme, you know? It works. It works for it. So it'll be pretty cool. So for people that are happy with like the Skirmish Guild games and want to try something new or that have really fond memories of Necromanda and just want an updated rule set, um, you know, I think this will go a long way. Um, to helping people out and to kind of buying some time a little bit. So you plan on picking it up, do you think? Yeah, and in the box, uh, I mean, you get the two ganks, uh, you get the core rules, character cards, dice, um, and the, the gangs are multi-part, so you can do a little oh, customization. Okay. They're not just snap fit. And I hope you didn't throw your templates away because it uses templates. Oh, does it seriously yeah. use templates? and you need to because... If you don't have templates, that ruins the game. Wait, wait, so this is actually, this will actually use like the flame or the flame small blast? Like yep, yep, sure will. Wow, okay, so if anybody's got custom templates out there and you're like wondering what I'm going to do with these, like... They're still good. You, you, you Maybe you should just pick the game up just so you can use them, so yeah, it's pretty cool. you don't want to throw out those templates. Nice. So Chris and I, before we were getting on, we were kind of going over what we were going to talk about, and one of the main things is we were talking about like the benefits between like Shadow War and, and Necromunda. Um, and Chris had mentioned earlier that you thought they should have just released Necromunda instead of Shadow War, right? I say that with, like, hindsight, yeah. seeing how popular Shadow War was. And I feel like Games Workshop didn't want to, like, invest in saying, we're going to release all these new games and come out with the molds for the miniatures mm-hmm. and then have it flop. Gotcha. I think they were like, we'll just come out with a rule set with all these nice terrain pieces uh, that you can use your Warhammer figures for. So if you don't like the game... You can use them for your 40k and have terrain and whatnot. So with the hindsight, I'm like, of course Necromunda is awesome. You should have just came out with that and gave me all the terrain from Shadow War and put it in this nice set. Yeah. So that's my you know hindsight biased opinion. See, and this is where Chris and I differed because I actually was like, Necromunda is a fine as little one off, but I always thought that the amazing part about Shadow War was essentially you were buying models that you could use for your larger army. So if you like the aesthetic of Tyranids, you were buying Tyranid models that you can use in Shadow War. Mm-hmm. And then you can play Shadow War essentially until you get enough models to play a large game. Yep. For that part as well. So I thought that that was like a brilliant idea for that part. And I honestly was like, I look at the Necromunda sets and I know people will have fun with them. Um... But with a lot of things that GW does with this, I have no idea. I wonder how much support Necromunda will get in the future. I feel like tournament play might not be there sure. because it's a level up, build your game type of thing. It's, yeah, it's, for sure. If, no, I mean, I don't think it'll be tournaments. I just meant like, how many more do you think we're going to get more gangs? I think they're coming out with every one of the original gangs, which That's was like right. close to 10. So wow. I think they're supporting it hard because... Shadow War Armageddon was kind of released as, like, this is kind of like Necromunda. And it sold out in, like, three hours. Yeah. It was ridiculous. So I think that they saw that people are supporting this style of game, and they jumped into it. So I I agree. I think... So personally, I'll just, I, I, I just always going to be honest. I think GW's making a little bit of a st- mistake with Necromunda. It's just my own personal thought. Um, I think that they are banking a lot of nostalgia, and I think a lot of people that are like, oh my god, Necromunda, will probably like run out and get it. But I think one of the reasons that Shadow War sold out is because not only was it models that you can use in multiple games, 
it was a staggering amount of amazing terrain mm-hmm. in the Shadow War set. Yeah. Um, I know people that never played a game of Shadow War, and I know them that bought the set because the terrain was almost worth the value. You were getting the terrain for penny. It was like yeah. almost free compared to you know exactly. the prices of everything and else. And for great terrain. Yeah. Um, so if you were looking for terrain, it was kind of like, wait, should I pick up the box that's also going to give me like 20 miniatures and another game I might be able to play with a friend? Or Yeah, if you were the few people lucky enough to get the box set within the three hours it was released, sure. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely like insane, like some of the stuff they gave away for that part. And so I think that GW even mentioned at Nova that they were... Uh, not so much surprised by the reaction of Shadow War, but were basically because Shadow War had done so well that they were going to be doing stuff to further support it. When originally it was supposed to be a one-off, right? Like, because I'm pretty sure Blood Bowl is also a one-off. Like, people really like it, and GW keeps throwing like a couple of random things out there, but they're not throwing a lot out there because it was supposed to be just sort of like a hey, here's a one-off game. You know, maybe they'll update the rules, but, like, they're not going to be consistently coming out with new, like, models for it. Right. I don't think so. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Necromunda, because I think the tile piece is going to hold them back. I don't know about you. What do you think? I think the tile uh, part of the game is great, quick game. Like, we got two hours. Let's knock this out. I don't want to get too competitive. And that's good for the non-narrative part of it, where, you know, you're not keeping track of you know like his level and stuff like that but um i like the tiles i just played this weekend a dungeon dragons tile board game it was so much fun it's simple quick rules are easy to pick up and that's what you kind of want when you're just lazy sunday afternoon you don't want to set up train and uh you know fill the living room with (laughs) warhammer things so i like that element and games workshop has been doing these little box games that you know you can use your figures for later but Mm -hmm. um i like the tiles i will be playing the classic version however okay do you think you'll play a couple of the tile games oh of course i'll I'll probably play with my buddies who don't play 40k who played the you know dungeon dragon tile game try to give them the first first fix yeah i mean i think that that is most likely the way to go Mm -hmm. um you know like i mentioned i think he gets that board game scene um, I'm just interested to see we, if they have a true plan to release 10 armies unless they've already like got everything ready to go uh, I, it'll be interesting to see the amount of support that they get well when it comes out. it's ganks so really 10 ganks it's yeah, only it's 10 right. boxes that they need to produce and maybe a couple side things for special characters that may be released in mm-hmm. you know maybe a chapter approved type deal for Necromunda. Sure. And if you look at like White Dwarf, the new uh, White Dwarf had new rules for Hobbit. Yeah. I'm like, so they're supporting they're, they're supporting you know, every that, yeah. now and then they'll they'll push some things out. But I think I think this game is for the the people who played the original and I, yeah, you know, I agree. the retro uh, gamer. I guess it's just the practical side of me, and I can definitely see, you know, that nostalgia if you want to go in. Um, I think that there, you know, I think it could have a market if you have the gamers that played it, because I think it was the 80s, wasn't it? 80s, 90s when it came out? I played it in the 90s, and that might have been the second edition, but I think there's only one edition. 80s, 90s, you know, whatever, but let's even call it mid-90s, you know, at this point now, even though for people like us, 
the 90s seemed like it was the other day ago because it's like when we grew up mm -hmm. but that was 20 years ago was it? <laughs> so if you've got people that were playing Necromunda in the 90s, remember it? You know, maybe they grew up and, like they have kids right now and they're trying to get them into a game. Maybe they can get them into it with the board game aspect um, yeah. or start up something small. So I could definitely see it having a market for that. Um, I just wonder if it would have the sustained success to be able to release every different game. Yeah, that's the big question. And I think that was their big fear, yeah. you know, when coming and marketing, you know, every game. Because when I pulled up, so just for, because we talked about the Shadow War set, which by the way, if you can ever find this thing on eBay for like the cost, pick it up. Um, mm -hmm. Or if you know anybody that has one and hasn't opened it, or if you're ever driving around somehow and you're in the middle of nowhere and you see a random hobby store and stop in and they've got one, buy it. Um, mainly because if you need a terrain, the entire original Shadow War set cost 130 bucks. Yep. No idea what the Necromunda set's going to cost because I don't think they've come up with a price. It'll probably be one twenty, one sixty, I assume. I would, I would actually say less because the, there's no terrain. Well, they have the tiles, and there are like bulkheads that you attach to the tiles. Well, maybe. So who knows? Because I would look at it like so. Lost Patrol was the Gene Steelers versus Scout yep. game, and that was like seventy five bucks or like six. I think it might have been sixty or seventy bucks somewhere right. there. So I would look at this with different newer models that aren't just resculpts and mm -hmm. a more advanced board and everything i would probably look between like 100 120 bucks yeah so. i would yeah 120 probably that's a good guess so that's like close you know for two things you can have but the difference is like if you picked up shadow war armageddon not only did you get like the orcs and the scouts so technically if you were already playing space marines and orcs you got extra models but you also got the terrain so the terrain was a full alchemite stack which is on sale right now in the store for like 45 50 bucks. Yeah. It was that reactor pit thing. What's that thing that we just bought that painted? Uh, you remember what it's called? No, it's one of them furnace, weird mechanics. Like that? Yeah. yeah, the furnace. One of those that like the video that's also 50 bucks. Ferrocrete something. Yeah, and then there was the scaffolding that goes on top of it. So you're looking at like another like 30 40 bucks for all that stuff. Yeah, it was like the Necromunda or the Shadow Wars set gave you the 3 uh, terrain kits that they sell individually now, and they they go from like forty to sixty five dollars. Yeah. So buying the Shadow Horse set was yeah because if the you just bought go. the stacks with the furnace and everything else that goes in here, you could buy them right now, and I think it would be between like one hundred ten to one hundred twenty five bucks for the terrain. Yep. Exactly. So that's why the game sold out. Mm -hmm. Like, and I don't know if GW realizes that because it's like, hey. I bought the terrain essentially at cost, yeah. which is gorgeous, and I might want to use it anyways. And so essentially, with my terrain purchase for free, you gave me orcs. 20 models, yep. orcs and space Scouts, marines. Yep. You gave me templates, dice, and a whole like 120-page rule set mm -hmm. for a game that I can use other models for. Exactly. So all that came for free once you bought the terrain. Mm -hmm. So like in my opinion, that's why it sold out. And I just don't know if Necromunda is going to have that kind of impact because you can't use that tile terrain for anything but the game. Right. So you're literally paying at that point like 100 to $120 based on our guesses for 10 models that you can't use in any other army, or 20 models you can't use in any other army, and for a rule set. And that's kind of a lot. Yeah. That's why I wish they would have thrown that the Shadow War uh, Armageddon terrain with Necromunda. Yes. Now, if they would have done that, or they would have done some kind of hybrid uh, to get you started with it, I, I think you'd be in brilliant shape. I'd pay $160 for the terrain, the Necromunda, two gangs, the dice, and everything. I'd pay $160 yeah. if I got that terrain with it. You know? 
I completely agree. And I think then, I think you'd have another Shadow War Armageddon where it sold out completely. Yeah, for sure. I don't think be any issues. I think even if people didn't play Necromata, they'd buy it. Yeah. Um, and it's just very surprising to me because um, we talked, you know, like I said earlier this episode. Uh, so this episode has been, I think, the first one where we sort of had, like, question GW a little bit. Because earlier we talked about, like, hey, wait a second, your web store exclusive three Plague Marines that look like the other Plague Marines that you're giving us, 40 bucks for three models. That I'm going to buy. Because you can't help it. Feed I, have the, a, I have a problem. Feed the plastic crack edition. Um, and then this edition where I just think that they are personally mismeasuring the market and as much people are like excited about Necromunda, the value isn't there because of the terrain. Um, and if they would have just thrown in some terrain options to get people started, I think they could see a much different effect. But, you know, I, we'll do probably another podcast uh, in November. We might even do a Necromunda battle report or something like that. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'll have a gang ready. Yeah, so I mean, we'll, we'll do something. You know, I could be completely wrong. It could be the next, you know, Blood Bowl, the next huge thing that everybody's playing, and, I, and I'm completely off base. And I hope they am because, you know, like a, a healthy GW is good for all of us. Yeah, I agree. So it's pretty cool. So, you know, once again, if you got any ideas about Necromunda, do you think that I'm wrong and it's going to be a gangbuster hit? you think Chris is right and it's kind of the wave of the future to, to bring new people in? You know, definitely let us know. Um, let us know if you're excited for it and what you guys plan to do. But otherwise, you know, thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, once again, I'm Mike. Uh, this is Chris. Thank you for purging the alien with us, and uh, we look forward to coming down to you soon. Feel free to hit that subscribe button here on iTunes. Hit the subscribe button on our YouTube page. And then always remember to check out our Instagram page for updates as Chris makes the crazy journey to finish his entire Death Guard army. Oh, God. Thanks, guys. This episode of Purge the Alien was recorded on July 23rd, 2017. All rights for this episode and its content are reserved by the Creative Commons license. Instrumental music, sound effects, and the episode were produced by Purge the Alien.